Hi there and welcome to episode 10 of the Valencia Property Podcast. Today we're talking about something that should be very important to you as a Valencia or a Spanish property buyer, the legality of what you are buying. We'll also be looking at the latest news, giving you the results of our survey, thanks to all of you that answered it by the way, and also announcing the winner of our raffle to win the two books about Valencia that we announced a few weeks ago. Let's start with the latest news and events from Valencia though. Fias, the big fiestas in Valencia, are getting closer and this time next week we will be drowning in explosions due to the Fias firework displays. Keep your animals safe at home. We will also be off work because we don't work during Fias and we are not working from the 15th to the 19th of March so mark that in your diaries if you're expecting answers from us at that time. Truth is we'll probably answer some emails but we're not actually working taking people out because it becomes impossible. The podcast next week will just be, there's no podcast this week due to Fias. Fias in Valencia means everything stops. The winner of the Fias model that is saved from the flames each year has been announced, and you'll be able to see it along with the other saved Fias from each year in the Fias Museum, just opposite the City of Arts and Sciences in Monte Olivete. It's well worth a visit, it doesn't cost much either. In sport, Valencia have reached the final of the Cup in Spain, where they'll play against Betis in Seville. It should be an interesting game, but Betis have to be clear favourites, because they're better than Valencia. Levante, meanwhile, continue their attempts to escape from relegation with a loss against Bilbao on Monday night. I actually wrote that part on Sunday before the Monday game because it was so obvious they were going to lose. Anyway, the big news is that Valencia have finally presented plans to finish off their stadium, which has been in a state of abandonment since the last financial crisis over a decade ago. This time, they say that work will start in October this year and be finished by 2024. We'll see. That would be 18 or 19 years since they started building it. So, a quick project. As we wrote in our article on Monday, the numbers of Dutch and American clients coming into Valencia looking to buy property is skyrocketing. Take a look at the article in the recommended article section in the show notes. However, one nationality we forgot to mention there are the Irish. As a buyer told us last week, the prices in and around Dublin are now so ridiculously high that he's decided to relocate with the family down to Valencia, as it's much more affordable for what they're looking for. I hope we'll be able to find it for them. but. But judging on what they've told us, I think it'll be relatively easy compared to what they're currently looking at in Ireland. Finally, in the news, and here's a few bits of bad news to tell you the truth. Petrol's going up in price here like it is everywhere, so be prepared if you have a car and it isn't electric. It's an ouch at the moment, uh, 50% price rises since January in petrol. Also, Electricity bills are flying up at the moment, so we will be negotiating a deal for all of our clients with a solar panel installation company for later in the year to save lots on your energy bills. Obviously, this will only be available for people who've got a penthouse apartment or a house, because you can't really put it on a middle floor apartment. It's quite difficult anyway. Our listener questions this week, well we have two. One is from Joe in the States about the beaches and another is from Anna in the UK about the worst places to buy. Remember, we prefer voice messages if possible, but we've run out of them, so send us one to our voice memos on WhatsApp or via mail. 
Even so, we also answer them when they are written like this, or even asked when we're with clients. So let's take them in turn. Joe's question was, what's the best beach within striking distance of Valencia? And this is a bit of a personal choice thing because some people like certain aspects of a beach and others hate it. I like the Patacona beach in Albaraya, just north of Valencia. It's actually a continuation of Valencia beach. But Dave, who works with us, hates it. He hates it because the area around is soulless. I like it for the beach bars and accessibility along with the volleyball courts, beach football, etc. Although it is some time since I played volleyball or beach football down there. He prefers the beaches that are south of the city, such as El Saler and even Cuyera. To the north, my other favourite is Canet, which is excellent with dunes protecting the town and the beach itself. There's even a nudist beach there, if getting your backside burnt is the thing for you. Um, I've not been there uh, recently. Obviously, if you go further south, then the beaches at Gandia, Oliva and Denia are rather excellent, all areas we cover. Anna, meanwhile, asked us, what's the worst street in Valencia to buy in? Okay, Calle Viana, near the market, Calle Padre Anton Martin in the Malvarosa, and Calle de Roca in Torfiel are the three most famous streets for this. If you want to know more about why, then the three answers are mm, prostitution, drugs, and drugs and prostitution. You can find really cheap properties in those streets, but you wouldn't want to live there really or you wouldn't want to rent them out, unless perhaps you were renting them out by the hour, but we won't go there. So today's theme is legalities and lawyers. Later in the pub, we're gonna have an interview with Javier Hernandez, based in the city, about powers of attorney and why they are so useful. We've worked with Javier for over a decade, and he's got an interesting perspective about why people should have powers of attorney. But we start today by moving on to the legalities of a property. Now, you would think that something for sale is legal and has all the paperwork in place, right? You'd be wrong. One of the main issues with buying property in Spain is the dubious legality of many properties you can see for sale. The truth is that if something looks too good to be true, then there's usually a reason for that situation. So today we're looking at what issues you should be looking out for, what a lawyer does for you, and what recourse you have if they do their job wrong, and why you shouldn't try to buy without a lawyer. The truth is, it may go well and you may have no problems, but equally, it may not, and it's an expensive mistake to make. So how do you choose a lawyer? The first thing is, don't put up a post on Facebook saying, can anyone recommend a lawyer? And don't take any notice of online reviews for lawyers. We know that the worst lawyer we have ever had the misfortune of bumping into as the representative of a client has over 50 excellent reviews on Google and no negative ones. Have you ever heard of anyone putting a negative review of a lawyer online? They might get sued. However, Believe me, they tell everyone about their experience and that's why we know. We hear it so often and we hear other lawyers saying, yeah, I'm sorting out a problem that, ah, I almost said the name, left us. And let's just say that's so common that it can't be just a coincidence. Let's start by saying something that may surprise you though. There are lots of lawyers in Valencia. For a country that's not really litigious like Spain, that's a bit of a surprise. 
but when you walk around most central areas of Valencia you will see plaques and signs by the doors for each apartment building and they'll inevitably include a lawyer in one of the flats and possibly in quite a few of the flats. Don't just walk into the first lawyer's office you see though. No, 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 no. There are quite a few things that you should know before choosing your lawyer. The most important of these is that not many of them specialize in property purchase. They may dabble. And even worse, a lot of them know next to nothing about the process for residency for non-EU nationals. And many of you listening to this will come into that category. They may actually know very little about the process for EU nationals either, never mind non-EU nationals. They may specialise in contract law, divorce proceedings, exports, a whole host of other legal minefields. You don't need them, you need a specialist property lawyer. Choosing the wrong lawyer for the process of purchase and residency can be a very expensive mistake. It can also be a very, very time consuming mistake. If there's one rule above all, in choosing lawyers in Spain it's never use the lawyer suggested by a developer or the agent that represents the seller. Then there is a second rule of course always use a lawyer who speaks your language or a language you can both understand. Here at Valencia Property we have another rule we only use lawyers who we highly recommend and who know the process for getting residency inside out and who can speak to you in a language you can understand. Wherever you're thinking of buying your property, we have the lawyers to represent you, and they are good. They understand our demand for a high level of service and customer satisfaction. It's that simple. If you send them a WhatsApp, they answer. If you send them an email, they answer. And if you call them, they pick up the phone. They give a high standard of work because we expect it. And they know that any faults will mean we'll move on, as we have a list of approved lawyers that only work with us on personal recommendation. So what is required from your lawyer? Firstly, they need an essential knowledge of the local property market where you are purchasing your property. That may seem obvious, but some lawyers say, yeah, I'll represent you, and then they're in Madrid or they're in Barcelona, and they don't know the peculiarities of the Valencia property market, for example. Secondly, they need to know the steps needed for applying for your Spanish residency, whether you're an EU resident, a non-EU resident, or somebody affected by the Brexit disaster, and in a bit of limbo as to which group you may eventually belong to. Thirdly, they need to know all of the tricks and contacts that are needed for speeding up the process, including the ability and desire to sign powers of attorney for you to avoid having to queue. A queue jumping service for NEAR application is very useful, for example, and we do know lawyers who do that. We actually did one in two days a couple of weeks ago. A faster residency application process is essential if you're not to go over the time between putting down your deposit and completion on the property. Fourthly, they need to know that personal service is essential for our clients. And that is all included in the price you pay them. They don't ignore your calls. They don't charge you for each call. They charge for a service package. And within that package, you can ask them any relevant questions that may come up. They may get sick of you as a client at times, but generally people don't abuse that access. Fifthly, they need to know that sometimes there's a lot of work required after the purchase for preparation of the residency visa for you and your family. And they're willing to put in that extra work for our clients because not to put too fine a point on it, we have a lot of clients, so they know there's more clients coming over. Some clients take more work than others at times. It's just a fact of life. Lawyers in Spain are noted for their inability to pass information on to the client. 
If you don't ask the question, then the lawyers don't tend to volunteer information. Our lawyers are different. They're personable, approachable and professional. We know you'll enjoy working with them, which is something you don't hear very often when you're talking about lawyers. We work with various lawyers depending on the requirements of the client. If the most important aspect is speed and efficiency of veneer application and the residency process, we have a preferred lawyer for this. If you're a Dutch-speaking client, we have a preferred lawyer there. If you're a French-speaking client, we have a preferred lawyer. If you're going for the process of the golden visa, we have a preferred lawyer. So on and so forth. Every client's different and our recommendations depend on your circumstances. So if you're looking for a reliable lawyer in Valencia, well, contact us. We'll put you in touch with someone who will suit your requirements. Even for those people who are not buying through Valencia property, you may need independent advice. In fact, this will be even more true when using other agents in the city. A mistake can be very costly and many lawyers are not in the business to protect you as a buyer. Finding your ideal Valencia property lawyer is just one of the ways we make the process of purchasing property in Valencia smoother for you. If you think we can help you, get in touch. It's totally without risk. How much might a lawyer cost? Well, a typical lawyer can charge you up to a maximum of 1% plus VAT on a purchase. Most, therefore, charge 1% plus VAT on a purchase. Go figure. Is it worth it? Definitely. Getting a property purchase wrong can be a lot more expensive than 1% plus VAT. So many people have got themselves into problems on purchasing property by not using a lawyer and then finding out too late that they now need a lawyer to sort out a problem. Getting a lawyer to sort out a problem is a lot more expensive than 1% plus VAT and the time needed for that, well, sometimes in Spain you can count that in years. What can go wrong? I mean, what's a lawyer looking for? Well, if you use a lawyer recommended by the selling agent, then don't expect them to be representing you. Obviously, they're representing the seller. If the person you choose to represent you isn't really representing you, then obviously something can go wrong. They may miss some encumbrances or debts on the property. They may miss the fact that part of the property or even the whole thing is illegal. They may find that they may not find rather that buildings are on a protected land. They may not find that the building you're buying has got a luminosis, which is a sort of concrete cancer. They may not find that the sellers aren't the owners and they're trying to sell you something which isn't theirs. In fact, there's a whole gamut of other issues that may be missed if the lawyer isn't representing you. It doesn't often happen because most purchases are pretty, pretty simple. However, if it happens to you, then it's more than slightly inconvenient. It's expensive and it's potentially ruinous. So anyway, that's why you need a lawyer in Valencia. So what we did this week is we went down to speak with Javier, one of the lawyers that we use, and we talked particularly about the idea of the power of attorney. Now, we get clients from all over the world, and usually there isn't a problem with giving a power of attorney because they know how useful it can be. However, some American clients are a bit reticent to give a general power of attorney. So in this interview, we talked about why people should be okay with a general power of attorney and what you can do to make sure that it's as safe as possible. Hope you enjoy the interview.
So today I'm here with Javier, who's a lawyer that we use a lot in Valencia, and the reason we use him is because we've known him for years, he does a good job, and he's also very good on the powers of attorney. And that's what we're going to talk about today, but first I think you should know who you're dealing with uh, when you're giving a power of attorney to someone. So Javier, tell us about your background. Well, I am a lawyer since 2005, and before that I have been a bank manager of Santander Bank with different branches. Um, before working for Santander, I used to be a manager of another bank, also in different branches. Uh, before being a bank manager of two different banks, I used to work at the Spanish Embassy in London. Um, basically, this is it. So, lawyer since 2005. Um, getting old. Getting old. And Seems like yesterday when you, I started. So, you've done the worst jobs, eh? Uh, the bank manager and the lawyer, yeah? Yeah. The one, the one everyone loves. Yeah. The most hated jobs. Yeah. Yeah. So today we're going to talk about powers of attorney because one of the things that people think is, oh, should I give a power of attorney to somebody who can do basically anything? So that's what we're going to talk about. So first, tell us, which might be surprising to people, how many powers of attorney have you got? Apart, apart from the powers that I have from the banks I have worked for, um, a bit more than 1,600, a bit more. 1,600, that's general powers of attorney or specific? Well, 95% are general powers of attorney and just very few specific ones for, for uh, to do uh, a very specific thing. Okay, so let us know, what's the difference between a general power of attorney and a specific power of attorney? Well, there's a huge difference. With the general power, I can do anything. I can buy, I can sell, I can deal with the bank on your behalf, I can sign mortgages on your behalf, I can do, I can do anything. Um, except very personal things like doing a will. I can't do a will with a power of attorney. Mm -hmm. But apart from that, I can do anything. And the a specific power of attorney is something to do, it's a power to do something very specific. Once the thing um, uh, that uh, authorized me to do in the power, once it's done, then the power is over because the, the purpose it was made for has been accomplished. Mm -hmm. So general power, I can do anything, and a specific power, whatever you ask me to do. Okay, so the in the case of a specific power, the reason you don't do many of them is because, for example, if you say, buy this house, at this price and then for example either the conditions change or the person decides to buy a different house that power of attorney becomes totally useless right absolutely so uh, the, the reason why uh, people don't give a, a specific ones is because they are very restrictive for example what, uh, what you just said if if you do a power to buy one particular property for a specific price and after you change your mind or the conditions change the, the power become useless. And also, it's not very good to, to do a very restrictive power. For example, if I have to buy a, a property before, I have to go to the bank mm -hmm. uh, to make the check to pay the vendor. And if the power doesn't say that I can deal with the banks, I can't buy. Mm -hmm. yeah. So the, the, the standard powers is, bet is better not to touch them. Mm -hmm. or to touch them, the, the minimum. Okay, so lots of people worry that if you're given a, a general power of attorney, you can do anything. So I think people should know, what is your actual process for putting a power of attorney into action? How do you get authorization, if you like, to do things for people? And we know you can do anything without that authorization with this power of attorney, yeah? But in general, you ask for authorization or what? Well. The once I have the power on my desk, I can do anything. Yeah, um, 
So I don't really need an extra authorization to use that power because the power is enough to do anything. Having said that, uh, I always ask the client to do to to order me, not to authorize me, to order me in writing uh, what he wants me to do. For example, uh, buy this property, this particular property for this specific price. So you want written authorization to actually do anything because otherwise you're not going to do it. I, I want on the top of the power, I, I want a written order for my client from my client asking me to do a specific thing. And the reason you want that is because uh, somebody could say to you later, I didn't uh, I didn't tell you to do that, right? The, the, fir the, fir the, the reason I do is, first of all, because the Lawyer Bar Association recommends us to do it, and it's good for me and it's good for the client. It's good, wh why is good for me? Uh, because mm, you could tell, if, if I just had the general power and you call me and say, buy this property for this price, once I do that, you can tell me after why did you pay this price and not this other, or, or why did you uh, buy this particular property when I told you to buy another. So it's, it's like a way of covering my back. Mm -hmm. And it's good for the client because uh, he has the security that he has ordered me one specific thing and I'm not going to do a different thing that he has ordered me. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I, on, so to, to be clear, to do to do anything with the with the power, I don't need an extra authorization. However, every time that I use the power, for whatever the reason, I always ask for a written order and sign order for my client, for my records and for. Yeah, I remember a few months ago we had a client. Uh, you were buying a property and you'd asked them to uh, do it, and they hadn't sent the written authorization on the morning of the signing. So I, we I put it back. It. We put it back. Yeah. If I don't have the written authorization, I, I just don't do. I don't buy or don't I don't sell or don't don't do whatever he has ordered me on the phone. Okay. So, why should people get a power of attorney? Um, well, some people don't need it, but it's it's very recommendable to have it. If I mean, if if the client lives in in Spain or live in Valencia, and they're gonna be here for like a like, you know, uh, permanently, mm -hmm. uh, I don't really need the power because he can buy uh, or he can do anything on by by himself. Yeah. However, uh, all my clients are foreigners, mm -hmm. and they not normally at least at the beginning they don't normally live in Spain. They live abroad, so I need the power to to act on their behalf while they are not here. And most of them, or, 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 or all of them, when they come, they don't have, for example, an NIE, which is a, a tax number that they need to buy a property or they need to do anything. And one of the things that I need to get the NIE is power of attorney. Mm -hmm. If I have a general one, I can use a general one. Uh, I can also have a very specific power to obtain the NIE, and once I get the NIE, the power is over because the purpose it was made for, it was made for is accomplished. And that's mu a much quicker way of getting the NIE than somebody trying to get the um, the appointment themselves, yeah? Well, getting an appointment for, for NIE and getting the NIE itself can be a nightmare if you don't know how it to do it. It certainly can. <laughs> and we get it quite fast. Basically, from one week to another. Mm -hmm. uh, but to get to get the NIE, one of the things that I need is power, mm -hmm. whether the general power or a specific power to, to get the NIE. With the general power, I can do anything. Uh, among other things, is getting the NIE. Mm -hmm. right? uh, apart from that, I will need a, a notarized copy of, of the passport. 
Yeah, and for Americans, for example, that costs a bit more because they've got to do every single page, yeah? Not only for Americans, for any non-European citizen. For Britons as well now, yeah? For Britons as well. Yeah. So for any non-European citizen, one of the things that uh, is needed is a notarized copy of all the pages of the passport. If they were European, I just need the front page. So on the top of the power, I need uh, for Europeans the front page and for non-EU citizens all the pages of the passport mm -hmm. uh, notarized. So one thing obviously that I know that's happened over the last couple of years uh, with you is that you've used the power of attorney a lot more because of COVID. Could you explain why that's been important over the last couple of years? Well, as time goes by, I use the power mm, much more than before. First of all, because this is like a geometrical progression. Every time I have more powers, and sometimes I, I use powers that have been given to me 10 years ago mm -hmm. uh, for, 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 for a different purpose it was made for. Mm -hmm. For example, I bought a, a property 10 years ago and now the client wants to sell it. And mm -hmm. instead of coming to Spain to sell it, I just sell it with the power that they gave me years yeah. ago. Mm -hmm. And So powers are not limited in time then? Unless you want it, the power is valid until the person who gives the power uh, dies. Mm -hmm. So basically the power is forever until, the, but there are two Mm, two ways where the power is, is, is cancelled. One, the person who gives the power dies. In that case, the, the power ends. Mm -hmm. Even if I have it, I can't, I can't use it. Or um, the person who gives the power revokes the power mm -hmm. for whatever reason, yeah. because they lose confidence or mm -hmm. they just want to do it. Yeah. So those are the two ways to, to cancel a power. Mm -hmm. However, having said that, when you do the power, the same as I told you that could be, uh, or a general power, which is the, most of the powers that I have are, are general with no limits. Um, the, the power can be, when you do it, it can be limited in time. For example, you can do the power, general power for one year, two years, 10 years, or whatever, or, or two days. Mm -hmm. Or you can limit the power geographically. You can say the power is only valid for Spain. Because mm -hmm. if you don't say anything, the power is valid forever and everywhere. Mm -hmm. So I can go to the United States and use the power the same as I can use it here. The only thing that I would need is that it has to have the, the apostille of the Hague. Uh, but the power can be used anywhere and with no limits. So as I said, the power can be limited uh, geographically, can be limited in time, and also it can be limited in things that I can do, for okay. example. But over the last couple of years, because of COVID, People have had to do things and haven't been able to travel, right? Well, uh, on 2020, I have basically used power every single every single day mm -hmm. to buy properties for for clients because, and I have had a few cases where uh, bef just before COVID on, on January or February they have paid a deposit, and there is a deadline for completion. Normally, it's two months, could be more or could be less, but suddenly the borders closed. Mm -hmm. Not only the borders, yeah, I mean, you couldn't even get out of your property or, or your house, yeah? So some some s vendors wanted to keep the deposit because it's, it's not their problem that the buyer can't come. So mm -hmm. if you if you don't honor the contract, you don't come. Yeah, I, I, I heard quite a few stories from around Spain of vendors keeping deposits uh, because the contract just ran out of time and there was no power of attorney in place. Uh, so in that case, I can, I can use the power to, to buy. For somebody who initially didn't didn't want me to use it, it was just in case. Actually, uh, uh, many clients give me power 
and they don't think that I'm going to use it to buy it, mm -hmm. but they give me power just in case. And last year was COVID, now is the war, what's going to be next? Well, the previous year we had the volcano and people weren't able to travel. So for the client, it's very convenient to have the power, that, that I have the power, mm -hmm. uh, to give the power to somebody who knows what it's doing. Yeah, and the other thing about is uh, people worry about is the cost of a power of attorney, but it's not very expensive, no? There are three ways to do power of attorney. The, uh, most of the powers that I have are made in Spain. Mm -hmm. The cost of doing a general power in Spain is around uh, 60 euros, roughly, mm -hmm. or even a bit less. 60 yeah. euros and a couple of hours in the notary, right? A couple of hours or, a or, or <laughs> much more than that. <laughs> well, the, the notaries here in Valencia, they, most of them know me and they know exactly what they have to do. So that's the, that's the, the, the cost of a general power uh, in Spain. Another option to the power is not doing it in, in a, a Spanish notary. You can also do it in any Spanish consulate in the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if you live in another country, you just have to approach the Spanish consulate where you live and do their power mm -hmm. and they know they know how to do it yeah i've just i've just sent a power of attorney to somebody in melbourne in australia they'll go into the consulate to give me a power of attorney to sell their property for them yeah because to, to give power of attorney to somebody the person who receives the power doesn't have to be a lawyer could be anyone yeah, yeah. it doesn't have to be there quite important as well because well, no, <laughs> no. i don't want to fly off to melbourne tomorrow to no, be, say yeah it's me you don't have to be there actually Many clients give me power and I don't know them. Mm -hmm. uh, they just go to the notary, do the power and send it to me. Mm -hmm. So I don't need to be there. I just need to um, um, to receive the original one, the original power of attorney, not a scan copy, I need the original one to be able to use it. Yeah, and a big point here, don't send it by post, send it by DHL or MRW or uh, a yeah. courier, yeah. not by post. No, because <laughs> the post in Spain is not uh, our best thing. <laughs> uh, so, so as I said, the Spanish notary is the, like the standard way. If not, uh, the uh, the Spanish consulate of the country where you live, where the consul have uh, attributions as a, as a notary, so he, the consul can act as a notary. Mm -hmm. And there is another way, which is the, the least recommendable, but it's, it's also possible. You can do the power of attorney in any notary of the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but this power has to meet two conditions. First. If the if the country where you made the power uh, is part of the Hague Convention to be valid in Spain, it has to have the apostille of the Hague. Mm -hmm. And the second condition is that once the power is with the apostille, we need to sworn translate it into Spanish. Yeah. If the country, I mean, if the, the power has been done in Colombia, Mexico, Chile, you don't we don't need to translate it. But mm -hmm. uh, if it's if it's done in a different language, apart from the uh, apostille, it has to be translated. If the country is not part of the Hague Convention, for example, Canada, Canada doesn't have the yeah. apostille of the Hague, then once they do the power, they have to go to the Spanish consulate to legalize that power. Mm -hmm. And then I can use it here. So three ways to do the power. Spanish notary, Spanish consulate abroad, or any, uh, any notary with the condition of having whether the apostille of the legalization or the legalization of the Spanish consulate mm -hmm. and to be translated into Spanish or originally done in Spanish. Okay. okay. Now, having said all that about powers of attorney, you still prefer people to be here even if you have the power of attorney. Why is that? First of all, uh, most the, the reason that I, that I use the power of attorney most of the times is to buy a property mm -hmm. or to sell a property. First of all, because I like to see the face of uh, excitement 
that yeah. they have when they buy a property and get the keys. Yeah, they get that photo of them with the keys, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, so um, I, I always prefer that the client buys on, on his own. But if they are not here, I mean, if the client is here, I want the client to buy. I, obviously, I will go with him to the notary office or wherever I have to go. But if he's not here, it's like an emergency emergency thing. If I, either if the client is not here, I will buy. It's like a backup and a just in case. Yeah. It's like a just in case, exactly. Mm -hmm. um, although normally I know from the beginning, from the beginning, if I am going to use the power, because I know if the client is going to be abroad when buying or yeah. Mm -hmm. But sometimes uh, they they are thinking of coming to com for completion and they don't, and then. Uh, I, uh, is when I when I use the power, but I always prefer that they buy uh, themselves. Uh, obviously, I, I will go with them to the notary or whatever. Have to yeah, buy. there's one thing that just came to my mind when you're saying that. It's the, we need to show the power of attorney to the bank, for example, well before the purchase date, so they can sh make sure that the power of attorney is correct. Yeah, yeah, you uh, you can't just go to the bank with the power and say give do a check from this account uh, for this amount. Mm -hmm. The bank has to have the uh, a copy of the power uh, at least two or three days before to do something called bastanteo. So mm -hmm. to check the power, to check that the power is uh, legal and correct, allows you yeah. to do whatever you have to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, all the powers that we do are exactly the same. Only changes the the name of the person who gives the power. So. Uh, they know the power. Mm -hmm. uh, if if you start limiting the power, taking off this or that, then it, then is when the problem can come, and I, I may not be able to use it in the bank or at the notary. Yeah, so that's why it's, it's, it's better not to touch the standard power. You can limit it, as I say, in time or geographically or whatever. But the least we touch it the better. Yeah, the one I've sent to Melbourne is like, you know, it's the standard power of attorney and it just makes sure that I'll be able to sell the property for them and then get the cheque and put it into their bank account. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, the, uh, the powers that I have are not just for a very particular operation, a very specific operation or uh, purchase or whatever. I have had powers for the last 15 years for clients or the, for the last since I started. And today the power can be to buy, tomorrow it can be a power to sell. Uh, or after they want me to set up a company or they want to get divorced and I will need to use the power. Or even to go to a meeting of the community. Uh, anything. Or uh, many clients, they buy a, a property after they sell it and after they buy another mm -hmm. one and another and they sell it. So um, the power is to do, uh, uh, to act on behalf of the client for throughout uh, his life. Mm -hmm. uh, because if they're not, they don't live in Spain, they need somebody who knows what he's doing. Also, it's quite useful when you've got a power and let's say an emergency letter comes through for some reason, whatever, and it needs to be responded to in 10 days. And if the client isn't here, they need somebody who can act on their behalf. The the, the general deadlines in Spain to to respond to the administration is 10 days, mm -hmm. or, uh, or in court is 20 days. So you, to be able to uh, speak with the administration, or to court, you need power from the person who has been uh, called to, to reply. Mm -hmm. So, the power is, is is could be very useful for for many reasons. Mm -hmm. Obviously, the power can't say 
all the things that somebody can do on behalf of another, which is why it's a general power it's to do anything. Right. Yeah. Uh, even even though it says many things that you can buy, sell, or to court, uh, do anything. Uh, basically, you can do anything. If it says general power, you can do anything. It's anything. Okay. Thanks, Javier, and I'm sure we'll get back to you another day with maybe some listener questions. Thanks to you. Have a good day. We hope that was useful. Anyway, next, on to the results of our survey. So, last week we asked um, people for the answers to questions uh, about how they view Valencia property and what we do. So anyway, we got a lot of results for the survey and that's given us some great satisfaction because it was all positive. The first question we asked was which accounts of Valencia Property you follow and the most popular was still the Valencia Property website closely followed by the blog and the podcast which is already above the YouTube channel. I really need to do some more stuff on the YouTube channel. But anyway, over 80% of the respondents visited the website or blog every week, which is good as we put out new content every week of course. However, we were glad to see that over 50% visited either every day or every couple of days. Judging by what people's requests for more content, this is because people want more property listings and they're checking the site for new listings every day or two. And this seems to be because over 60% of people ask for more property listings. And when asked about what people like about Valencia property, the top two answers were the attitude on 38%, I like that. The property listings on 30% and the long form articles on 23%. That's the top three ones. In other words, the basics of what we do on the site are what people really, really like. That makes us happy. Over 60% of respondents were looking to visit in the next two or three months and over 90% this year. It's going to be a busy, busy year. And getting on to the results of our raffle, we did the draw for the raffle yesterday and the winner is... Dave Carter. Congratulations Dave and I believe you will be in the city this week so I'll be able to hand over the books to you. We'll take a picture and post it on our socials of you receiving the books. Congratulations, I think they're really good these books. The recommended video this week, well I'm going to go back to last week and recommend the video we made with James about his story in Spain and his new project helping people move to Spain. You can see it in our YouTube channel at the link. The recommended article is all about lawyers this week of course and you can see it at the link. However, we also mentioned the article we published on Monday about Valencia and how it benefits from the home working revolution. Take a look at that in the show notes. Everything's in the show notes. Finally, our recommended property this week. Well, it's not a single property again. It's been the week of the inexpensive penthouses in Valencia this week and we've been listing lots of penthouse apartments in the city in response to requests from people for more apartments with terrace around the 200,000 mark. Therefore, get over to our homepage and take a look at what your penthouse might look like. It might look great. Actually, one of them looks really great and you might look really great after living there for a bit because it's fifth floor without a lift. So up and down those stairs can get you really fit if you do it 10 times a day. Anyway, that's it for this week. The podcast is brought to you by us at Valencia Property. The music used is by Kevin McLeod, Tupan Man and Ghost Drones. And you can find all the links in the show notes to their music. 
We hope you enjoyed this one. And we'll be back next week just to tell you there is no podcast next week because it's fires. We'll be back in two weeks' time. Speak soon. Goodbye.